Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. Without further ado, Kirker Butler. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Good way to start. Uh, okay, so um, thank you all for coming. Uh, thank you to Skylight uh, for having me. Um, I've been working on this book for seven years, um, and uh, for the past four or five months I've been getting ready for this book tour that I start next week, and uh, this is my first reading, and I am already sick to death of myself. (laughs) So, uh, thank you for coming, and I will uh, will do my best to, to read. Uh, words that have taken me seven years to write. Um, so I thought I would read some stuff, and then if anyone had any questions, then you could ask questions, uh, and then you can buy a book. You can buy my book. You can buy other books. Um, that's it. Thank you so much. So, uh, okay, uh, I'm going to start here reading. Um I thought I would start on page four, because why not, right? Um, It's close to the beginning. Uh, So what I thought I would... uh, I'm going to set it up. uh, It takes place in the world of children's beauty pageants in uh, Kentucky. And uh, Miranda is the lead uh, uh, character, the main character. And so we're starting when she is 14 years old in a drugstore. She is waiting to pick up her mother's Klonopin refill. And she sees a stack of applications uh, for a beauty pageant. And she decides she's going to enter the beauty pageant. So as soon as Miranda decided to enter, she began plotting how she could win. Sportswear wouldn't be a problem. She'd always been active and owned many casual shoes. For evening wear, she could reborrow her cousin Denise's prom dress that she had worn to the previous year's eighth grade dance. But the bathing suit, Miranda thought, looking down at her figure, the bathing suit is going to be a problem. Flat-chested and hipless, the girl's 14-year-old body looked more like an 11-year-old boy's. The A-cup bra she insisted on wearing gave her more of a psychological lift than a physical one. (laughs) She knew she had a cute face, and she'd even been called attractive by some of her dad's friends. But... But if she, w- if she was going to pete against girls as old as 18, she'd need to figure out a way to augment what little she had. All body types may have been welcome, but not all body types could win. She collected her mother's pills and crossed to a shelf stocked with vitamins and dietary supplements, scanning it for anything labeled female and enhancement. The bottles promised stronger bones, shinier hair, and healthier skin, but Miranda didn't need that. She needed boobs. Pendulous, award-winning boobs. And she needed them right now. A product called New Woman, a homeopathic hormone supplement for postmenopausal women, looked promising, so she dropped it in her basket and continued browsing. 
Extrogen promised to promote and enhance all aspect of the female anatomy, but the woman on the package, an obviously naked Asian with the contorted face of an orgasm, totally freaked her out. <laughs> she looked away embarrassed, and that's when she saw it. A long-forgotten tube sitting alone on the bottom shelf, peering coyly from the dusty, time-faded label, a buxom, tinkerbellish wooden nymph waved her magic wand over the tempting words, Her Curves All-Natural Breast Enhancement Cream. Miranda looked around, then leaned over, pretending to study a bottle of children's multivitamins. Noticeable results in as little as 30 days, guaranteed. Perfect. That gave her a month to grow them and a month to get used to them before she debuted them at the pageant. The line at the pharmacy counter was now six deep, and Miranda felt a rush of panic. Mr. Wiggins, the pharmacist, was a family friend. He'd had coffee with her father every morning back when her father was still alive. He would know the cream wasn't for Miranda's mother, whose breasts were years past the point of concern. There was another register on the front of the store being manned by Mr. Wiggins' son, Jed, a good-looking basketball star at Miranda's school, but she'd sooner have Jed ring up a hundred boxes of ultra-absorbent maxi pads than a single tube of magic breast-growing cream. But she could not leave the store without it. It had suddenly become the single most important thing in her life. Looking again at the sexy sprite's heaving bosom, Miranda felt a singular focus overtake her, and with a flush of guilty adrenaline, she slipped the tube into her backpack. And to make sure she was completely covered, she took the new woman pills as well. (laughs) It was her first crime, and Miranda could feel her heart pounding through her soon-to-be-enormous chest. (laughs) Hoping to mask her guilt, she casually meandered through the aisles, stopping to admire a new arthritis cream, a porcelain figure of former University of Kentucky basketball coach Joe B. Hall, and a Fangoria magazine before making her way to the exit. Bye, Jed, she said a bit too loudly to the disinterested boy behind the register and slipped out the door. Miranda sprinted the half mile to her house, then raced to her room, tearing off her shirt and bra as she went. Standing topless in front of her full-length mirror, she studied her prepubescent form and tried to create a mental before picture. She then smeared a generous dollop of her curves all-natural breast enhancement cream all over her chest. Instantly, her skin began to tingle, and she couldn't help but smile. Buzzing with expectation, Miranda lay back on her pink canopy bed and waited for a visit from the boob fairy. (laughs) Six weeks later, a few red streaks were all that remained of the second-degree chemical burns caused by the the unholy Her Curves All-Natural Breast Enhancement Cream. The tingling that had so excited Miranda quickly evolved into a searing pain that felt like a fire-breathing cat clawing its way out of her chest. She spent the rest of the afternoon under a cold shower, praying for forgiveness and an end to the torrent of angry blisters erupting on her skin. Only after covering her entire torso with plastic bags of frozen deer meat did she finally get any relief. (laughs) So that's the first. Thank you. So, I'm going to skip ahead to chapter two. It's 20 years later. Miranda is now a pageant mother, and her uh, her nine-year-old daughter is um, she is a phenomenon in the pageant circuit, and she is also Miranda is also six months pregnant. So, <clears throat> of course, your children are beautiful, but are they sexy enough? <laughs> Miranda Ford Miller repeated the words out loud to make sure she'd read the ad correctly. What an appalling question, she thought, as if I don't already have enough to think about. (laughs) 
After eight and a half years and 363 pageants, Miranda was pretty sure she'd thought of everything. But this had never even occurred to her. What kind of pageant mother was she anyway? Damn it, she whispered. If she'd overlooked something as fundamental as her nine-year-old daughter's sex appeal, what else had she missed? (laughs) To be sure, Miranda had done a lot right. Her daughter Bailey was a legend on the southern United States pageant circuit, having racked up 128 wins and 96 runner-up titles in her career, placing her fifth on the all-time winners list according to the Southern Pageant Association's website. A born competitor and naturally, for the most part, beautiful, Bailey had a commanding stage presence and carried herself with the grace and elegance of a high-heeled gazelle. Her talent, a grueling tribute to Cirque du Soleil's cost at the Fleetwood Mac's The Chain, was provocative and perfectly executed and no child flirted with the judges as intuitively as Bailey Miranda Miller she was the total package but according to Glamour Time Photography Studio that wasn't enough apparently she also had to be sexy Are your children sexy enough? The words stuck in her head like a bad song. Miranda pretended to ignore the three days' worth of dirty dishes snaking out of the sink and across the cracked tile of the counter to focus on what was important. The weekend and the 29th annual Little Most Beautiful Princess pageant. Bailey would be relinquishing her crown as Junior Miss Beautiful and not a moment too soon. What with her pushing 75 pounds and all. Miranda was not proud of how she judged her daughter's appearance. But the harsh reality was that the average nine-year-old girl weighed 63.8 pounds. Bailey was in the 84th percentile for weight, and that made her vulnerable. No doubt the other mothers had noticed Bailey's extra bulk, just like Miranda noticed the numerous flaws in their girls. Melody Norton's hair extensions looked and smelled like the horse hair they were. Carly Sandifer's flipper, the dental prosthetic that filled in the gaps of her missing baby teeth, only highlighted the fact that her new adult teeth were stained and crooked, and all the makeup in the world couldn't hide the fact that Joe Beth Canton was just plain ugly. But all of that was better than fat. Fat was unforgivable. Fat was fatal. Miranda had started to suspect Bailey was eating an extra lunch at school. At the very least, she was consuming more than the 400-calorie meals Miranda had paid a nutritionist to prepare and deliver every morning. And she was very close to proving it before being asked to leave the school grounds for loitering. Miranda had tried everything to help her daughter lose weight. A gym membership that came with ten private pole dancing lessons. A consultation with an overly puritanical plastic surgeon who refused to even discuss performing liposuction on a child, even when Miranda offered to pay double. The health clinic in Puerto Rico, where Tina Murray had taken her seven-year-old daughter Sephora to get excess fat removed from her love handles and injected into her lips. Miranda decided to put a pin in Puerto Rico when Sephora contracted a still unidentified infection that left her 70% deaf in one ear and half of her bottom lip permanently blue. She even tried a $1,400 custom-made neoprene sleep suit that was promised to sweat out excess water weight. But after a series of night terrors where Bailey dreamed she'd been thrown in the trash, followed by a... Followed by a 2 a.m. trip to the emergency room for dehydration, the suit was put on eBay. Despite her best efforts, the sad fact remained that Bailey was getting fat, and Miranda would just have to add that to the growing list of disappointments in her life. (laughs) Mom, what are you doing? Miranda jumped and grabbed her tummy. Oh my God, Bailey, Miranda said, catching her breath. Don't sneak up like that, sweetheart. You're going to give Mommy a miscarriage. (laughs) 
The nine-year-old stood in the doorway and shrugged. Sorry. Her honey blonde hair hung in front of her face like a veil, and she made no effort to move it. The pink juicy sweatsuit suit she'd won at last year's Pride of Paducah pageant, Paducah, Kentucky, had become a bit snug, but it perfectly matched the running shoes Miranda got free with Bailey's gym membership. I'm hungry. Miranda took a deep breath and tried to be encouraging. I'm sure you are, sweetheart. (laughs) But you're competing this weekend, and we've talked about this. You're up to 75 pounds, which is a lot more than those other girls. Yeah, but most of those other girls have been bulimic since birth. They'll probably never be 75 pounds. (laughs) Well, honey, not everyone can be blessed with an eating disorder, Miranda said. Some of us have to work to stay thin. Bailey pushed the hair from her face so her mother could see how genuinely appalled she was. Mom, that's not funny. You're right, I'm sorry. I'm just a little hormonal, Miranda sighed. Okay, go do your workout. 20 minutes in the elliptical and I'll steam you some carrots. The girl stared at her mother before letting her hair fall back in her face and trudged across the kitchen to a door on the far end of the utility room. I love you, sweetheart, Miranda called after her. You're a beautiful champion. Yep. Bailey called back, her fist raised in the air in mock triumph. I'm a winner. See if you can push yourself into 25 minutes, Miranda yelled, but her daughter slammed the door, cutting her off. Bailey took a deep breath and locked the door behind her. Kicking off her shoes, she dug her toes deep into the thick white shag carpeting and looked into a sea of rhinestones. Every surface was covered with trophies, sashes, plaques, and crowns. In one corner, an old toy chest was filled with smaller, lesser trophies that didn't warrant prime visibility. Best hair, best smile, Davis County second grade spelling bee champion... Framed photographs of Bailey being crowned, holding fans of cash, and posing with celebrity judges covered the walls. The ceiling was a rainbow of contestant ribbons. It looked like the rec room of an elegant hoarder. The only, the only non-pageant uh, items were an old futon and a sole E35 elliptical trainer Miranda got from a neighbor who'd caught her husband cheating and was giving all his stuff away. <laughs> Bailey set the elliptical for a 25-minute workout and sat on the floor next to it. A large, dusty trophy from the Little Miss Sass and Sand Princess pageant in Gulf Shores, Alabama sat in the back of the room. An anonymous peak in a mountain range of awards. Bailey carefully twisted off the bottom and a Snickers bar fell into her lap. The elliptical machine beeped impatiently and Bailey started pushing the foot pedal with her hand. The distance and calorie counter slowly began to rise as Bailey tore into the candy bar, jolting her body with a satisfying rush of sugar and defiance. From under the futon, she pulled a Kindle she'd won in an online photo contest and swiped to page page 78 of Looking for Alaska. A poster-sized glamour shot, Bailey's most recent pageant photo, looked down at her from across the room and Bailey stared back, mocking it as she finished the candy bar in an earnest attempt to destroy the girl in the photo from the inside out. Back to Miranda. Are your children sexy enough? She practically spat. How dare they? Storming to the freezer, Miranda reached past the tube of frozen tapeworm eggs, a gift a gift from a pageant mom whose own daughter had experienced an unfortunate weight gain, and pulled out a three-pound... Someone actually did that. Um... They did. Uh, Pulled out a three-pound block of ice that encased the family's last usable credit card. Uh, A financial advisor had suggested she and Ray freeze their cards to help reduce impulse spending and rein in their mounting debt. When you want to use your card, just set the ice on the counter and let it thaw, the man advised from behind his $4,000 oak desk. It should take about 90 minutes. If after that time you still want to make your purchase, then go ahead. If not, it probably wasn't that important. 
Miranda put the chunk of ice in the microwave and set it on high for three minutes. Fishing her phone from her purse, she called the number at the bottom of the ad and sighed, disappointed in herself and humanity. Glamour Time Photography Studio, how can I help you? Yes, my name is Miranda Miller, and I saw your ad in the pageant newsletter. I'd like to schedule a sitting for my daughter. Bailey may have been getting fat, but there was still a chance she could be sexy. (laughs) Okay. Um... All right, I can do one more, um, or two more, or whatever. Um, So the next chapter is about her husband, uh, Ray, who's a nurse. Ray Miller peeled off his white New Balance cross trainers and relished the cool air on his damp socks. The pedometer clipped to his waistband of his scrubs read 8.6 miles. He was too tired to process that number, but he knew it was nowhere near a record. It was Ray's fifth consecutive 12-hour shift, and he couldn't remember most of his day. But that was okay. He was just happy to have something to do. As he added up his total mileage for the week, a familiar voice screeched from the intercom. Nurse Miller, please report to the ER. Nurse Miller to the ER. Fuck, he sighed heavily and considered slipping out the back door by the used needle incinerator where he used to smoke. Back when he smoked. Back when he did nice things for himself. (laughs) A blister pack of sample pills left by a pharmaceutical rep sat on a stack of old magazines by the 27-inch TV that hadn't worked since the world went digital. Ray quickly popped two of the orange caplets without reading the label and swallowed them dry. New sample packs arrived daily like junk mail, and Ray tried every one he found. (laughs) It had become a game he played to pass the time. Take a pill, wait an hour, then try to figure out what he'd taken based on the side effects. (laughs) Everyone needs a hobby, he told himself. After a decade as a respected medical professional, he could now identify most medications on site, so taking something new was always exciting. A standard talk screen would have showed his blood to be a cocktail of muscle relaxers, painkillers, amphetamines, benzodiazepines, depressants, antidepressants, antibiotics, anti-anxieties, steroids, blood clotters, blood thinners, Valium, Zoloft, Lithium, Percocet, Depakote, Soma, Adderall, Xanax, Vicodin, Focalin, Lortab, Paxil, Coumadin, Estrace, Oxycontin, Efixor, Ambien, Ativan, Flexeril, Tramadol, Provigil, Nuvigil, Proscar, Prednisone, Clonopin, Lexapro, Lipitor, Lunesta, Valtrex, Ritalin, Dexedrine, Prozac, Wilbutrin, Tylenol with Codeine, Codeine without Tylenol. <laughs> the list went on and on, and so did his, so did his boredom. Array had stopped keeping track of how many hours he worked. He just showed up, punched his card, and did the job. Six days a week at the hospital and five nights working hospice. People often praised Ray for his hospice work, casually throwing around words like noble and hero. But those people were full of shit. (laughs) Nothing about Ray's life bore even a passing resemblance to, to nobility or heroism. He worked hospice because it paid. After nearly a decade, Miranda had spent roughly $89,687 on Bailey's pageants, winning a grand total of $49,406 in cash, prizes, and scholarships, a label designed to make parents believe the pageants were contributing something to their child's future besides emotional instability. (laughs) Ray had done the math. 
If Miranda never spent another dollar on pageants and Ray won every competition she entered for the next 26 years, they would ultimately break even. Ray would be 60 years old and would have walked 109,287 miles, four and a half trips around the circumference of the earth. Splashing water on his face, Ray looked at himself in the shatterproof mirror over the federally mandated handicapped sink and tried to remember the last time he shaved. Two days ago? Three? What day was it? Nurse Miller, please report to the ER. Jesus, I'm coming, he said, and dries his face with one of the surgical masks someone had stacked in place of paper towels, which, because of recent budget cuts, were locked up tighter than the pharmacy. Again, the voice shrieked from the intercom. Nurse Miller, report to the ER, stat. Fuck off, Nancy, Ray shouted back, then clipped his pedometer to his pants and shambled out the door. So, hi everyone. Uh, more people showed up. That's weird. Um, so uh, we can do this a couple of ways. If anyone wants to ask any questions, I'll be happy to answer any, answer any questions. Uh, I can read something else uh, about uh, the actual pageants that are going on. Um, whatever, whatever you want. Questions, reading. You guys. Dis- how old were you when you started reading? When I started reading? <laughs> uh, I was... I was... I was. Mom, how old was I when I started reading? He was a prodigy. He was reading grocery store signs at the age of three. There we go. Grocery store signs at the age of three. Thank you. My mother, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, did you have a family member who was involved in pageants? My mother, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> she... Uh, in uh, in Kentucky, where I grew up, we my parents were a member of the the county fair board, uh, which did the county fairs because we were hillbillies, and everybody was assigned this one job, and my mother. Uh, was assigned the pageants because when she was a child, she went to charm school. <laughs> so, it's true. So, uh, she did the pageant. So, every year from the time I was like from nine until after I graduated from high school, uh, every year she would plan these, these pageants. And as I got older, she started trying to get me uh, involved in these pageants. And I think I was in seventh grade when she said, Hey, why don't you choreograph the opening number to the pageant this year? And so I did. To Neil Diamond's America. And it was great. It was really, really great. Uh, so that is, yes, that is my experience with that. What's that? It was such a long time. There was, I think, there was some, some of this. And would you like to get up here and do it? No, no, I don't remember much of it. But I do, I do have the memory of teaching at uh, of being like 12, 13 years old and teaching a bunch of teenage girls how to dance to Neil Diamond's America. Yeah. Yes, my daughter has a question. You were about four months old. So, yes, this, is, this book has been in my life almost as long as my daughter. <coughs> and longer than my other daughter. <coughs> Anything else? Anyone? Yes. Why? 
Uh, you know, I don't know why this came out. It was during the strike, and Karen's my wife. Karen is right here. Uh, she said. Uh, she said, hey, you should, you should write a book. She said, November is National Novel Writing Month, which I didn't know if you guys know this, but apparently you write 1,600 words a day, and then by the end of the month you have a, like a, a novel. It's usually really shitty, but then you rewrite it. And, uh, so I did that. It, uh, and when I started writing it, that, this is just what came out. I didn't really say... I have such a story to tell about pageants. It, was, it didn't work like it was just this was this was a story that happened. Yes. How much of the original November book is the structure is the same um, for the most part, I and mean, I changed some things, but in terms of the structure, but uh, you know. Uh, it's been rewritten. I mean, it's been seven years. It's been re. It's been rewritten a lot. Um, yeah. Anything else? Yes. You miss Kentucky? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, you know, <laughs> I. Uh, yes, yes, I do. Indy says I do. Um, I, yeah, I go back at least once a year. Usually, I still have family there. I'm going next week. Um, you know, to do a book tour where they don't really read books, so that'll that'll be <laughs> that'll be a good trip. <clears throat> Um, no, but I, I, I do. I love Kentucky. I'm, uh, uh, I, I had a great childhood. I have a lot of good friends there. My family is there. Um, and so, yeah, I do. You know, living in a, a place like this, I would love for my daughters to have grass and trees and things like that. Water. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, I do. I do. My daughter again, yes. Why did you choose to write a book about... Um, a fourteen-year-old girl who whose name was Miranda, and who wanted—I um, want to say it—he wanted boobs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you get when you bring your seven-year-old to a book reading. <laughs> What's that? It is. Um, I just thought it'd be funny. Really? That's all? Um, but, yeah. Did I embarrass you? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yes. Uh, so you kind of started the book before you had daughters. Do you view it differently now that you have seven-year-olds? Okay. I, um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I went into it thinking pageants were awful. So it's not like I, you know, now that I have daughters, I'm like, well, you know what? Maybe they could go into pageants. Uh, no, I always kind of thought it was terrible. And, and now that I have daughters, I'm kind of like, what, what, why would anyone do that? You know, I see these my two little girls. I'm like, why would anyone put makeup on them and wigs and and force them into, you know, dance routines? And it doesn't make any sense to me, but people do it. Every day. Why don't you ask later? <laughs> Anything else? Yes. How do you think people are going to react in your hometown when you read this? I'll find out in a couple weeks. <laughs> um, you know, I think, as I've said, I was telling someone the other day, I think the people in Kentucky who would be most offended by this are really not the people who would read books. Um, they're, they're really not. I mean, it's, no, it's true. Uh, um, 
But I'm not, I'm not saying people don't read there. I think they do. But I think the people that would be most offended by this are not readers. What's that? That's fair. Come on. That's fair. Um, but, you know, there are some... There are some uh, I used my, my Facebook page to, like, put uh, names in here. Uh, just as, like, placeholders. And then I went back on one of the passes and I changed some of the names. But I forgot to change one. And so there's this... <laughs> This girl that I described is uh, Ray's big-breasted neighbor who likes to exercise in her underwear. And I used her real name. And she said on Facebook she's going to come to the reading. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is going to be great. So much fun. Um, but ultimately, I think people will uh, they'll really like it. They're really going to have a good time with it. <laughs> Yeah, yes. Oh, How much money can I give you to read that part? <laughs> <laughs> what? what th- there? No, it's not going to happen, Mark. Sorry. Sorry. What was the editing process like? Were you working with you know, the publisher and were they pushing you to tamp down, pump it up? And sort of- um, well, it was interesting. My uh, editor, I, I, they bought the book and then I did uh, one pass with an editor, the guy who really championed it, and then he was fired. And so then it was given to this other guy who did not care at all. And um, there was one section in, in, in the book, that's this big build, where uh, Ray... Uh, well, I'm not going to give anything away. You've got to read the book. Um, there is this a section that is really super dark, something that Ray decides he's going to do with some of the pills that he finds. Uh, and this new editor said, I think you, that's too far. You, have, you can't do that. And I sent him this email back, and I said, look, I, you know, I believe in this. I think it's funny. It is really dark and terrible, and it, it's not a good character trait, but it's something that I, I feel strongly about and I want to keep. And I never got another note from him in a year. Like, I barely got an email from him in a year, because I guess his, his thought was, well, he'd already... You know, he'd already had an editor who went through it with him a couple times, so why should I even even bother? So um, the editing process was, was minimal, um, which I'm not thrilled about. I would like to have had someone to kind of go through this and help me make it better, but I didn't. Yes? Can you compare that to the process in TV? It's exactly the same. People just leave you alone. <laughs> They just let you write whatever you want, man. <laughs> I think you know the answer to that question, Joe. I want them to know. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any TV writers help you or read? read um, yeah, I had some people read it and, and give some suggestions. Um, it's a lot to ask someone. I mean, it's a lot to ask someone to read a 30-page script, but a 300-page book is, is a real, you know, that's a real ask. Uh, but I had a few people uh, did it. Uh, Kristen did it. Um, and uh, a few others. And, yeah, it was helpful. Yes? What kind or how much research did you have to do? Um, like for the pageants? I secretly entered a children's <laughs> beauty pageant. Um, no, it was just 
I think it was just memories from being around it growing up. Because, um, you know, mom primarily worked with the, like, the, the princess or the queen or whatever the age level was, the older ones, but the, the little kids were around and you'd see their parents and you would see these uh, crazy people. Um, and, you know, getting screaming at these, at these two-year-olds because, you know, they didn't want to put down their their Cheerios and go walk in front of strangers on a stage. It was ridiculous. Um, and so all that just kind of stuck with me, and then I just amped it up a little bit. Yeah. Did you pick and choose from people that you knew and saw in life for just character traits and, and, and happenings in the book in general, aside from the pageant stuff? Yeah. There's a... Huh? <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> You'll know. Uh, yeah. Um, so prior to November, did you outline or did you just dive into it and rewrite? I just started writing it. Yeah. I um. Yeah. I just I kind of had a, a a bit of an idea. I think when I went into it, I, you know, the week before, I was like toying with some ideas, but then I just kind of started and it just, you know, happened. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel really like pushed by inspiration or did you have to really force yourself like to work on it? No, I enjoyed it. I wasn't, I didn't feel like it was a chore at all. And then I really enjoyed the time that I could work on it because then I would, you know, I'd go to work and, uh, and then sometimes I'd have to put it away for two months at a time and I was always, you know, excited when I could go back into it and, and work on it. So it wasn't like I was working on it every day for seven years. Because that would be a little sad. <laughs> Anything else? We done? I can read one more thing or we can go? Yeah. Read one more thing? Okay. Yeah. All right. This is at the, um, this is at the pageant. One of the pageants. Um, so what happens is uh, Miranda has been trying to get a reality show for her and Bailey for years. For both of them. Because it's called The Princess and the Queen. And it would be about both of them. Uh, and so they get to this pageant and they see there's a sign up, a shooting notice, that TLC is going to be shooting a children's pageant reality show there and it's not about them. And she is horrified, she's furious, and she um, <clears throat> she realizes that it's about, the show's going to be about her um, uh, her rival, Star Kennedy, with two R's, a little girl, Star Kennedy, and her mother, Teresa, who's the worst woman in the book. Um, all right. Backstage at the 29th annual Little Most Beautiful Princess pageant was a dollhouse of grown women playing with smaller versions of their ideal selves. <laughs> Fifty scantily clad prepubescent girls scampered about like the main attraction in a Bangkok coffee shop. <laughs> Sexy children marketed as wholesome family entertainment. The room reeked of anxiety, self-tanner, and schadenfreude. This, this year's pageant had gotten off to a controversial start. Three days earlier, the ballroom had served as the venue for an amateur MMA fight. The hotel's cleaning crew had not been able to find welterweight challenger Dwayne Triple Threat, triple threat Triplet's tooth, but Tiffany Chanel Tyke found it. <laughs> 
That's why she messed up her choreography, Tabitha Tyke screamed at the judges. I mean, come on. Finding a man's tooth would distract anyone. She teemed with genuine outrage. It's only fair that Tiffany Chanel be given extra points to compensate, or at least the other girl should have to hold the tooth. (laughs) One corner of the dressing room was buzzing significantly louder than the rest. Bright lights and a throng of cameras surrounded Star Kennedy, a stunning eight-year-old who looked exactly like Catherine Zeta-Jones. Her (laughs) foot... Her full lips were tinted with an original color created specifically for her by a former Revlon color engineer to complement her flawlessly airbrushed olive skin. Her eyebrows were immaculately crafted for Mattis, commanding you to linger on her infinite amber eyes. If a human being could be photoshopped, she would look like Star Kennedy. As Star practiced her talent, a precise reenactment of Britney Spears' 2001 VMA performance, complete with live albino python, <laughs> Teresa spoke a little too loudly into a camera, leaning forward to make sure the lights picked up the glitter she'd applied to her sun-battered cleavage. Star's just got that something special, that indefinable thing movie producers call it. I don't know where she gets it from, but she's got it in spades. Catching herself, she quickly turned to the African-American sound engineer. No offense. (laughs) Bailey's dressing area was directly across from this bullshit. Star took a seat in front of her makeup mirror, swaying back and forth to the music blasting through her earbuds. Her every movement, down to the slightest facial tick, was a conscious choice. For a child, Star was incredibly aware of her surroundings, especially the camera. She knew where they were, if they were on or off, and if they were trained on her or someone else. When they were off, she was an average eight-year-old girl, playing with her American Girl doll, whining to her mother for a candy bar, even picking her nose. But Star had the senses of a bat, and whenever a photographer attempted to steal one of those real moments, she would effortlessly slip back into glamour mode. It confounded the producers and infuriated the mothers who were desperate for the world to see Star for what she truly was, a little phony. Pageants are a great stepping stone, Star said, as if she was sitting on Oprah's couch. But they're only one small part of what I'm capable of. God has given me many gifts, and I believe it would be a sin not to explore every single possibility. I mean, not to sound whatever, but I'm talented. (laughs) I'm not ashamed of it. If you're good at something, you should share it with people. And that's what I want to do. Miranda could see Teresa mouthing along to her daughter's words, making sure the girl got them exactly right. But she needn't worry. Star was a pro. Since the age of four, she had been the Kennedy family's primary source of income, and Teresa worked tirelessly to expand her empire. The reality show was a godsend. It paid for the next three months of pageants and gave the family enough money to trick the bank into approving a second mortgage. The Kennedys needed their lives to change in a big way, and Star was going to be the catalyst for that change. Teresa had never been more certain of anything in her life. We've also had been having real success in print modeling, Teresa said, raising her voice just enough to make sure everyone could hear. But Star's modeling career might have to be on the back burner because of all the TV work, and not just the reality show. I'm not supposed to say anything yet, but last week's star booked her first commercial. Teresa smiled broadly, pausing to make sure Miranda heard her. Was that a wink? Did she just fucking wink at me? (laughs) Teresa continued. 
She's going to be a beautiful angel for Dillard's department store's Christmas campaign. Can you believe it? She forced a laugh as fake as her breasts. We are just so blessed. A perfectly calibrated sigh was followed by a piercing scream. Next stop, Hollywood! Miranda wanted to throw up in Teresa's whore mouth. (laughs) Instead, she took a deep breath and listened to her gut. You're right, Brixton. Brixton's her unborn child. You're right, Brixton, Miranda said, rubbing her belly. Mommy is better than that. She felt a small kick from her baby and smiled. Everything's going to be okay. We're going to show that skank who she's messing with. That's it. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.